Okay, we are back once again for another edition of the Bibliotheques Podcast. We are doing, continuing on along, our trip with Dog of the South this week. Ooh. Very excited. Uh, we're doing chapters five through eight this week. Um, and we were both kind of just reflecting on this book being, um, first of all, it's an absolute delight. To oh, read. it's awesome. It's incredible. But in the form of a podcast and what we're trying to do, it does present challenges mm-hmm. where we're trying to make sure that we're covering everything that you need to know without doing a, you know, 12 hour long podcast where we're essentially just reading from the book. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to hit everything that's important without skipping anything. And, this, and, and it's it's a bit challenging and, at times. And this is a credit to Portis, the author, because he's laid down the foundation like in the first couple chapters that you don't know what he's writing to be important or not important because he's laid things down that you think are just random things that the main character Ray like just observes Mm -hmm. and whether or not that's going to come back is completely arbitrary. There's no rhyme or reason to what he observes and what he intakes or what he does or who he meets that could end up later, end up like happening later. It just does. So if we're, spitting out things that you think why did they really include that like why did we need to talk about this or references for a while we're doing it out of an abundance of caution because we want to make sure that the listener potentially knows something and gets a reference of what might come in the future because we don't know as well right it's all of these little like interesting arbitrary little details that he just peppers in throughout the whole thing so it makes reading it really fun mm-hmm. because you just get a vibrant picture of this world that he's describing oh, yeah. and the characters that walk around in it. But at the same time, you have no idea when one of these people are going to mean something later or when a detail from a chapter ago is going to come up again. Yeah. So really interesting. But I think we can just kind of kick it right off. Mm-hmm. Where did we leave our characters at the end of chapter four? So basically the end of chapter four was the good doctor Mm -hmm. telling um, Ray that there's this guy that may or may not come to kill them. He's babbling (laughs) on and off about it. He kind of was like, Oh yeah, this guy, Leon, Leon, uh, you might come and hurt us. He doesn't have a chin. Mm-hmm. Or Leon's the one. No, Leon's the one that screwed them both. Yes, it's the um, it's the other man. Yes, that it is who is driving an, a, in a very particular uh, looking station wagon. Uh, who may or may not? <laughs> it's this guy Ski. Ski. That's right. Yes, Ski. Who is on the hunt? Maybe <laughs> he he. They've been on the road for hours at this point, and mm-hmm. he wants to make sure that Ray knows now that there may or may not be a guy hunting them, right. which is where we pick up. We pick up basically them driving, um, and they make it to what is called the Bay of Campeche on the border of Mexico and now Belize, which is it's important to note that they've been saying British Honduras mm-hmm. this whole time. That's the old way of saying Belize, which very recently got its independence. A lot of people still call it British Honduras at this time. Right. So when, the, and they'll interchangeably use British Honduras and Belize. They're the same country. And I believe at the time, the city that they're headed towards, they just called Belize. Yeah. So that's the city. Mm-hmm. Now it's called Belize city, I believe. Yes. But yeah, go on. They'll use it. It's also not a big country. Right. You can, you can traverse the entire thing in a day. Mm-hmm. It, it They use the two interchangeably. Yeah, right. But they're at this place called the Bay of Campeche, which is the uh, essentially the border. And the doctor is adamant that they're not going to make their journey. Part of that Ray kind of die, like kind of like figures out is that the good doctor is also not looking great right now. No. Super unhealthy. His eye, which was really gross to begin with, is really flaring up. Mm-hmm. He looks gray. He's like... Basically, like, can't stay awake, kind of, but he's just paranoid. Yeah. But he's so paranoid that he's also like, I'm going to take over driving because, again, he thinks Ray's a bad driver, even though he's really trying his best in this jalopy of a car that they had, this Buick that they've been driving. Mm-hmm. So when the doctor takes over, he Ray kind of realizes, oh, he's even worse of a driver than he says I am. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I might as well read this self-help book that he's been raving on about. Yeah. And he uh, he makes the point of mentioning that the good Dr. Rio had left crystallized boogers on every page. Really gross. <laughs> uh, but as he's reading through this book, cause he promised to kind of give it a, give it a thumbing through because yeah. Ray being an academic at heart, 
like a like a like an armchair scholar and historian. He's, sure. he's not he's not one to turn away a book, and he's even said that before. Yep. And he's thumbing through this thing, burning through a couple chapters, and he's like, "This sucks. Mm-hmm. This book is bad." <laughs> a bunch of platitudes about empty platitudes and contradictions about how like you shouldn't care about money, but you always need to know a like you should always be caring about money and all of this other stuff. He's like, never just, push too hard for a sale, but also never let a sale walk die, out the door. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, yeah. So basically like always wanting the contradiction and somehow that's how you succeed. Classic sleazy salesman book yeah. where it's not telling you anything and trying to tell you everything. Uh-huh. So he's reading this and he's like, this sucks. And honestly, fair. We've all thumbed through book, pay, books like that at the bookstore where like, this is just bad. Oh, awful. Yeah. Uh, but, and then the car, you know, it's having various breakdowns and this is not helping the good doctor's paranoia. Oh no. He's so, so worried about it. And anyway, Ray changes the tire. And as he's changing the tire, the doctor's like resting in a, under a tree in the shade. And he's trying to talk to him. He's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, this guy is sick, sick. He's not good right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the one other fun, funny detail there is they realize that, the tire that went flat that they needed to change was a, like a stolen U-Haul trailer tire. Yeah. So like this Buick is just thrown together, <laughs> like just mismatched parts anyway. Yeah. So as you're saying, things aren't looking good uh, for Rio, but they're getting to the border now of Mexico and British Honduras or Belize. And as they get there, uh, they meet the officer at the border who won't let the good doctor through because his papers state that he had driven into Mexico with a bus, the dog of the South, mm. and now he's leaving without it. And of all the things that people seem to be cool with in Mexico up to this point or being able to like get paid off for, like this isn't really one of them. And I believe it's because it's a Honduran guard who like isn't up to the same like here, here's some money. Sure. Let this go away yeah. type of things because he just won't stamp the passport. Right. So Ray is like, okay, so that's not going to work. That's fine. There's charter buses that go from Campeche city across the border and back literally every day. Yep. Like we, we can just throw you on a bus. I'll meet you at the border. I won't go any further. You, it's like you can see me across the bridge yeah. of this like river of this bay. It's not going to be a big deal. Right. That's a non-starter for the doctor. He, he won't have it. He refuses. And it's, it's so it's so funny because the conversation he's worried about falling off a mountain because everything he's heard about buses in Mexico is they fall off mountainsides. And Ray's like, dude, we're nowhere near the mountains anymore. Like we are at sea level. They're not going to fall over mountain. Doesn't matter. Rio having none of it. Rio has a super like racist idea that somehow shitty buses in Mexico fall off mountains, even though he was driving the world's shittiest bus, the shittiest bus and which also broke down hundreds of miles ago. Yes, exactly. But But he still won't go in and he's like, you got to get me across the border. And he's like, I physically can't. So, yeah, at this point, there's like plenty of other uh, like kind of talkings about how they can how they can do it. Ray decides, hey, you know, there's boats here. Maybe I can hire somebody to slip you across this bay across the border in a boat get over that way goes down talks to a bunch of sailors and they're just kind of like hey dude it's super windy the water's crazy choppy that's not gonna happen yeah first of all you're asking us to smuggle some dude into belize yeah (laughs) that's already big time sketchy you only have u.s bonds to pay with yeah and no because the water's just (laughs) dangerous like we're not gonna risk our boats to get your like oh yeah can you get this guy and he's just like uh dying like like, ray doesn't know if he's may or may not be on death's door yeah but he finds this like kid in this like really like 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 a fishing dinghy yeah like a one one motor maybe like a three-seater boat yeah and this kid's like i'll take your man yeah he's just like this super brave kid also funny to point out um that rio and ray while they're discussing how they're going to get him across the border they sat down at a restaurant and rio is just guzzling coke Right now, like Coca-Cola. So he's had like six or seven glasses of the stuff and like marshmallows, which I think they had in the car. Yeah. This is like not a good combo for the sea. He sugar buzzed out. And yep. in, in total fairness, Mexican Coca-Cola is the best. Oh, there. it's the best. It's the best, dude. The big tall glass bottle, the real sugar. It's the best. You get it at a Mexican restaurant. Nothing Ugh. better. 
I've always wondered, is the stuff that they give you at Chipotle, because you can order a Mexican Coke. Is yeah, that's the real the, stuff. Yeah, if it comes in the glass bottle, that's the stuff. Interesting. Okay, yeah. tangent. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. So, yeah. So that's to say you can understand why the good doctor would want one of these Cokes, not seven of them in one <laughs> yeah. sitting when you're already just like, should, you should be drinking water. Absolutely. He He's basically on death's door, it seems. Yeah. So basically, he leaves him in this restaurant to just guzzle Cokes and marshmallows while he finds someone to smuggle them across the border. Does kind of like shoves him into this boat and says, I'll see you in Belize. Yeah. <laughs> Takes off. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and he manages to get across the border. Uh, but when his car is inspected, an officer takes his pistol. He like rummages through the back of the car finds the pistol that's just kind of like floating and now melted it's the ice is gone I've, all the other food that he had in there was spoiled and the officer's yeah, just like, like baloney water hey <laughs> right officer's like hey this is mine now yeah yeah have okay. a good day yeah these fucking <laughs> british honduras patrolmen are like so on the up and up that they won't let this guy through yeah on a bus visa but they are just gonna take this gun with no consequences just shove it in his pants and, and holster like, it yeah, yeah it's, it's not like you this is this is a pretty uh under the table kind of deal here like this guy wasn't like okay i'll take this and report it back to my superiors no 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 this guy has this gun now yeah and he just waved him on he's like yeah "Yeah, you can get into yeah so again old man with a whatever visa no go absolute non-starter unregistered gun Mm -hmm. mine now go ahead but this officer uh at the same time he tells ray that there is a hotel that he should stay at when he gets into town So he recommends a hotel for him. And he also tells him that he did see this Torino go through there Mm -hmm. and confirms. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a guy, a woman and a dog in this Torino come into the country. Yeah, that's that right away lifts his spirit. Gun gone. But confirmation that they're in this country. That's great. Right. Yep. And then, I mean, this chapter kind of ends with Ray waiting at the pier for Rio um, to kind of show up. And there's this funny little uh, passage where he he notices it's kind of windy and a little bit cold. And he's standing at the pier with like a native uh, person. And he's just he says in kind of like shitty Spanish, like it's windy. And the guy's yeah, mucho wind, whatever the Spanish word for wind is. And the guy's just like, all right, (laughs) leaves. Yeah, fuck this guy. And Ray's like, yeah, no wonder everyone hates foreigners. Like, what the fuck was I saying? Yeah. Like, well put, dude. A nice moment of levity when he realizes, oh, there's a reason none of these, uh, like, Bodists wanted to, like, ferry my guy across the bay because it's choppy as hell. And it's he's a like, nightmare, yeah. And he's like, and while he's waiting for them, it's taking longer. Like, it, it, it's sun is down at this point. And he's like, did I just kill these two guys, like, sending them out into the chop in this dinghy? Yeah. And he feels kind of bad about it. <laughs> but that goes away when he just hears, like, <laughs> pull up and he, he sees, like, this boat just like, boom, like struggling on the in the surf. And he just sees the good doctor like white knuckling the sides of this dinghy just holding on for dear and the life. Kid that sailed him over is fucking pissed because Rio had vomited all of the coke and marshmallows up into his boat. 100 percent. predictable. Totally could have seen that coming. I love that. <laughs> this kid's just like mad as fuck after he just like completed the super treacherous journey, like takes some money and just gets the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, from there, they Ray gets Rio back into the car, who's virtually unconscious at this point. Um, and they continue on and like really bumpy, gravelly roads. And the chapter kind of ends there. Yeah, that's it. Really short chapter, but kind of a fun moment of levity where they're like, oh, border problems. That's always fun. Yeah. And I love thinking about like, so this is like the late 70s when this book, it was written and takes place. And it's right. so funny thinking about like pre 9-11 southern north america just border shit because if you just brought an unregistered gun through those borders now Mm -hmm. those those cops will not fuck around you're going to honduras jail at this point yeah i I, i'll take your word for it i don't know i mean i just assume (laughs) so right yeah i mean you have to i guess yeah i'm not gonna try it no (laughs) and the fact that he just like forgot about his gun because just because he was just because he was so paranoid about the doctor at this point he just completely forgot about the gun in this like gross like styrofoam cooler right right yeah it's just for off the bat a really weird place to plate like to hold this gun not gonna lie good idea to get it through yeah in the first place like yeah you put it under here it's a secret one under the ice and the baloney but then they just open it up and like hey what's this pop it open it's just floating there yeah exactly yeah not great but tr- like you said short chapter um 
really fun, but not a ton going on there. No. Um, chapter six starts and they finally uh, pull into Belize and they find this guy who's like, he's like, hey, do you know someone named Mrs. Nell Symes at this church? And he's like, oh, I don't know someone named that, but I know Mima. This is like works for me. Show me what you got. Basically, this guy takes them off to what Ray thinks will be Rio's mother. He is correct in that assumption. And he is pulled into Unity Tabernacle um, and met there by two very colorful women. Oh, yeah. So one uh, is wearing a flannel bathrobe and the other is wearing a red sweater and has chemical pink hair. Like it's described as being just like probably a really bad dye job. Your classic like weird old church lady stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So chemically pink looking hair. And Ray could immediately see that the woman in the flannel um, is Rio's mother. So the two of them come out. They come to the car as Ray gets out and they he's just like, hey, I've got your son here. And they're kind of like skeptical about that. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then they look in. They see this unconscious doctor is just kind of like splayed out yeah, on this the, carcass of a man <laughs> splayed out in the car seat and they're just like yep that's him yeah and like so so it's like Mima Symes you can just call her that for the rest and then her friend's name is Melba mm-hmm. and Melba takes one look at this guy and is like oh yeah that's him exactly yeah they, they just don't but they don't seem alarmed at all at how sick he is oh no they're like oh some random dude is like gotten this guy somehow they don't know what any of the backstory at this point they just know that this dude has made it from louisiana to now belize right so imagine the kind of people they are where a stranger pulls up with your unconscious son in the car and they're just like all right get him inside come and, on in and one one other thing that knows that you know about this is that immediately as they get there they start like badgering uh ray with these questions like are you roped into one of uh one of the doctors like scams yeah, like, yeah. Are, are you guys doing something are you pulling a job right now and he's just like okay one no but two thank you for confirming all my priors that this guy's an absolute <laughs> yeah. slum yeah slum dog yeah absolutely like they're just basically just telling ray at this point as they are eating food melba in particular is just annihilating whatever she's eating she's described as just like inhaling her food um but they get into this conversation, talk a lot about Rio um, and what you were kind of saying, just confirming a lot of that stuff that we had kind of thought before. Uh, and at the same time, they ask Ray about what he's doing there. And he describes his whole journey about how he's going to get his car back, whatever. And both of the women think of his story as being like very romantic. Yeah. And Ray's just kind of like, no, this is uh, this is business. This is than. purely me going down to get my car. Never forget that. Yeah. And it's at this point that I'm starting to think that Ray. Is starting to question his intentions coming down here. Yeah. Like it doesn't say it explicitly on a, on the page. This is completely conjecture, sure. like total speculation. But I'm just thinking like Ray is starting to feel like am I down here really just for my car and just to kind of like show up guy a little bit? Yeah. Or is he really down here for Norma a yeah. little bit? Cause the way that he presents the story, which is again, how he's been presenting it to us, the women down here, Melba and Miss Symes are like, that's really romantic. You must really care about her. And he's just like, I guess I never really thought of it that way, right. but it actually makes a lot of sense. The way that he's never like, been mad at norma if anything is sympathized with everything she's done and like thinks about her a lot Mm -hmm. has a lot of like at least floor level very lowest opinion of her is like more sympathetic than anything yeah but as as all conversations go in this book it takes a lot of really rapid twists and turns kind of like changing the conversation topic really quickly um and they begin talking about, you know, religion, which you would if you were two women running a church, yeah. I guess. Uh, but they they get into this really funny conversation about Ray and his religious beliefs and asking him, like, would you go to church? He goes, I go when I can. And they're like, well, what does that mean? Like, what stops you from going? Like, will you go on a rainy day? That kind of thing. Ray's not really engaging in any, in any of this. And then Mima is like, well, 
if you're a religious scholar like Ray over here, you'd know a thing or two about the Bible and asks him about what he thinks of the parable of Jesus turning uh, water into wine, which is just hilarious. Yeah, these mission ladies are like, yeah, you know, the parable of water into wine. And he's just like, sure. And we should also preface this that the only reason he's really engaging in this is because they brought him in and gave him like a really like decent meal. Mm -hmm. So he feels like morally bound to like patronize these ladies about like what they're kind of badgering him about, which at this point in time is his religious beliefs. And you can tell he's not necessarily defensive, but more or less trying to like brush these comments off about his religious aptitude and it goes into this conversation about like the parable of water to wine at the wedding was actually mistranslated mm-hmm. because alcohol is evil and Jesus would never drink alcohol right he must have turned it into healthy grape juice yeah for all the patrons and he's like i really don't know if i'm qualified to decipher that yeah. that way and they're like well it just makes sense right alcohol's bad jesus wouldn't do it do you think jesus was a bootlegger and he's like i don't know <laughs> like it was mistranslated obviously he's just like okay it's like i'll have to take your word for it because you know exactly but the conversation kind of switches back into them talking about why norma left ray uh and they get into a little bit of it just kind of like quizzing him on like, oh, did she what did she ever call you names or anything? It's like, oh, she called me a pill, but that was something she kind of picked up from her mom and it goes on and on. But we don't really get a clear sense that Norma left him for any really concrete reasons other than what we've kind of already gone through. I'm glad you said that because that's actually a really funny thing. Cause like, did you give him like a pet name? He's like, well, she called me a pill. Yeah. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, and they through that they kind of bring up like other people's relationships. She's like, Well, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be able to like get over what uh uh, Rio, the good doctor, did to my late husband Otho. Yeah, and they're like they kind of like insinuate that Otho went in and for like a procedure, and Rio like botched it, which <laughs> led to his death, right. which has soured their relationship. But they never say that like on oh, the like, yeah, he went under Rio's knife and was never the same, and then he died, and like whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So complicated relationship, uh, to say the least, between especially Mima and the good Dr. Rio. Um, important to note also, Melba is described not only as being just kind of this wild woman uh, with pink hair, but she's also said to be a psychic and she doesn't sleep anymore. Yeah. She stays up all night sitting in a chair drinking coffee. So just another weird little detail about this person. Yeah, she rests her mind with her eyes open in a rocking chair. Right, right. Crazy stuff. insane um last thing that i just wanted to point out and ray goes into this house to get food from these people not necessarily because he wants to but because he's like famished like so hungry and tired so he goes in but he mentions that he doesn't like to eat sleep or go to the bathroom in other people's homes i'm just like that is such a perfect character like just descriptor of this guy that we already feel like we know and just adding that on top of it i'm like it's perfect of course he doesn't like he's such a specific weirdo (laughs) that this is exactly the type of thing that would make him uncomfortable from the jump exactly exactly that kind of brings us to oh did you have something oh no yeah like the chapter ends with him like leaving the house and just kind of being like what the fuck right right like just so bewildered like he's full and he's grateful for that but he's also like Man, if I never have to see these people again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that gets us into chapter seven, which is um, the longest chapter in this section mm-hmm. and um, a bit of a hike. So hopefully we get everything here. Yeah. Um, but as Cody said, Ray leaves the the Unity Tabernacle and he goes to the Fair Play Hotel, which is the hotel that the customs agent or customs officer recommended that he stay at. Ray then runs into two people at the front desk, Ruth, who is a kind of sur- described as a surly woman who doesn't look very favorably on white people, which I get it fair. But uh, and then also another kind of young boy or young man uh, named Webster Spooner, who sleeps in a box near the desk. So 
this sounds just like Ray's kind of place. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of downtrodden a little bit. Not expensive. Right. Exactly. So he's uh he's right where he needs to be. Um immediately Ray is just kind of like, I don't have any money. Like I have no money left. Um, all I have are just some of the last savings bonds I brought with me. Uh, and so he arranges to again give some of those savings bonds to Ruth, who runs the hotel. Um, as collateral and says, Hey, I'm going to ask my dad to wire me money back from little rock. Uh, and you'll get your money soon. I'll, I'll get 250 bucks from my dad. You'll be good. Everything will be straight. So Ray goes up to his room. He spends two days there and interestingly eats the same meal every day, which is bananas and milk. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. It's a little weird. Um, it's it's honestly probably like also like the cheapest meal he can get there too. like bananas and plantains probably grow like crazy in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, and if that's what they have, then. Fuck it. I don't know. Like if that's all. And plus, he, he knows he doesn't want to run up a big ass room service bill ordering like meat and shit. So. Right. Right. Um, understandable. Um, But he in his time at this hotel, he's just still exhausted and doesn't really have any motivation right now to like keep going on his journey so he's just content kind of hanging out there waiting for his money to come in but he did keep a few things in the car after dropping rio off at the church so he has his flashlight which keeps being brought up for some reason uh he has his wallet which he discovers has a lot more money in it than he thought the doctor had originally um and then he has his book too the dick's book so he's staying in this hotel room reading this dick's book hating life (laughs) of course and uh, it, while he's there, he also keeps having this dream about this combative woman and her son. And it's interesting because Ray, over the course of this chapter and the next one, will bring up this son as if he's like a real person yeah. and what he would say to him. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's like this this is like obese woman and her son who keep like shitting on him. Yeah. At this like dinner table and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of, it's just bizarre. Uh, but on the third day, Ruth asked Ray for the money and he hasn't gotten it yet. Um, but Ray then decides like, okay, Ruth and Webster are kind of done with me now that I like realize not that they realize I'm not going to pay them probably. So he leaves the hotel um, planning on coming back, but she's like, I need to get out of here. Uh, goes and checks on his Buick, which is dirty, but intact still with a note on it from a guy named leak saying, Hey, I want to buy your car. Ray's like, nah, I need, need this hunk of junk to get my car back. Throws it away, makes his way down to a river. where he finds a big group of men skinning this massive snake hung over a tree. Uh, Webster sneaks up behind him. And he apologizes because earlier it was discovered that Webster had gone through Ray's room while he was sleeping in there and discovered a bunch of the money that Ray had in Rio's wallet. He's like, what's going on here? Um, But he apologizes for that, which Ray kind of takes advantage of and is like, hey, you know how you can make this up to me? I need to find out where this guy, Guy Dupree is. So I need you to take this map, take it down to the police station and have them circle on it where the Dupree farm is and then meet me back at the unity tabernacle church. Um, additionally, it's just kind of odd. Ray is really interested in getting a half dollar coin as payment for this mission. And Ray's like, okay, well see what I can do. Yeah. Like a Kennedy coin. He's like, he's like, yeah, a real silver half dollar. And Ray's like, well, they don't make them silver anymore, but fine. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so, Ray stops at a coffee shop and gets some information um, on Dupree's farm, which isn't really, you know, confirmed by anything, but then goes back to the church. um, And Mrs. Symes at this point is showing a movie to an audience of children at the church. Um, Ray pledges $10 to keep the church running uh, over the course of a year and checks in on Rio, who is doing slightly better in bed. He's awake, but still looks like pretty bad. Like, gray his eye doesn't look that much better just kind of soupy yeah (laughs) gross not not great so naturally rio at this point is like 
here's what you need to do for me. I'm going to write myself some prescriptions for drugs. Super on the up and up. In a different, under a different person's name that you need to go pick up. And the name... The name that he chooses is Ralph Moore, which I just find funny. I don't know. Like, I need more drugs. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Ralph Moore. More of it. Uh, So Ray goes, He tries to get the drugs. Some of the prescriptions include syringes, strikes out on those. Classic Rio trying to mainline. Yeah. Even this woman who runs a British Honduras pharmacy in this like ramshackle hospitals like i'm not giving you syringes this might this this shitty out of the country prescription pad might be good for the drugs or whatever because we got a bunch of those but i'm not giving you needles my dude exactly um he after striking out on a few of the prescriptions but getting some then goes back to the church hoping to find webster there who has not come back yet um with the map but he runs into Mrs. Symes at a table with a young woman or a young girl named Elizabeth. And they give him like this lecture on whatever they learned that day, probably um, specifically about effectual calling, which just kind of takes this long tangent about what it means to be effectually called. Um, I don't think it's that important, but no, it just shows like these women just love like, talking about like the ideas of theology while still like they, they seem pretty educated mm-hmm. and they seem like to take their mission pretty seriously. But at the same time, like what, what is this place? You know, like what like you're obviously running a decent, he can't really knock them. Like you can tell that he has like a little bit of contempt for these people just because of like how weird and they are yeah, and, like where they are physically. But in terms of like, what they believe in and stuff. He's not out here trying to be like hostile towards them or anything. He's just kind of was like, all right, great. Effectual calling. And this little girl gives like this very memorized interpretation. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say is like, there's, it, it seems that there's not a ton of thought put into this. It's more just like, re- know what this definition is and be able to regurgitate it to me. So that's kind of what they're doing at this church. It seems like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they go on to talk more about just religion in general um, and this missionary named Father Jackie um, and his mother who's visiting Belize. Melba, being a psychic, thinks she saw a vision of this woman who she describes as being yellow. And she has this kind of contentious little like conversation with Mima about what they mean the woman being yellow is. I don't know. Uh <laughs> The good doctor, we can now hear singing from the bathroom now that he's gotten his drugs and he's feeling it, folks. So he's high right now for sure. And he's like shaving and in just a far better mood. And at this point, he's telling Melba like, hey, you need to give Ray or show Ray some of your stories because Ray is a college student he's an intellectual he'll love your stories and your poetry and ray takes this moment to be like they're fiction i never read fiction yeah (laughs) again this fucking guy so it's interesting because we were just saying earlier that ray's gonna take the chance to read anything unless it's fiction so he's just kind of like a very matter of fact guy but they go over the story both of which have a the um protagonist as a red-haired woman one who's like getting an abortion or something or like a pregnant, um, a pregnant detective. It anyway. Yeah. Who can like, who like the baby is psychic and knows like where crimes are going to be committed and stuff, but the police won't take her seriously because she's a woman. Right. Just like what, what? (laughs) Yeah. and, And Ray reading these stories takes note that Melba has quote solved the issue of the transitional phrase by starting every paragraph with moreover (laughs) and so he's like reading these stories and critiquing melba's writing talking about how she uses uh moreover and she she uses all these other things like um in so much as and all these other words just repeatedly throughout her entire entire writing uh rio Kind of comes in from the bathroom, rejoins the conversation, and they all have lunch. Um, green jello and peanut butter cookies, which Ray's not super stoked about, but again, he's famished and just like lucky to have anything at this point. 
But Rio talks about all of the scum that he has befriended over the years. And it's kind of an interesting conversation because we get a glimpse of Rio and his opinion of himself and also two different types of people. Because it seems almost like everybody who has been a direct acquaintance or friend of Rio, he sees as being a quote rat, right? And at the same time, he just admires these men that he's never met, naming uh, naming Dix as one of them, as we already knew, and this other singer named T. Texas Tyler. So it's weird that he's like, for whatever reason, incapable of running into people like his heroes and everybody that he has run into are just complete scum. Yeah, and again, he is absolutely cooked right now on drugs yeah and we can assume that his chipper mood and much better looking demeanor all the sickness that we assumed earlier is clearly just crippling opium withdrawals you would think so yeah yeah because what i mean what has he been he's been drinking brandy yeah as his medicine but clearly that wasn't cutting it for him so he needed uh he needed a little bit of a stronger dosage of something um, but the chapter ends with Ray going to bed after lunch and waking up um, in three, at 3.30 in the afternoon with Melba in one of her trances in her chair, just like staring at a spirit that was like behind Ray or something. Very unnerving kind of the end of a chapter. Super normal. Super, super normal. Um, one of the other things that, I, and we kind of talked about this a little bit more, but one of the things I want to talk about is what is with all of this talk about religion? Like, why are we are we doing it just because our character here, the characters here are very religious? Are we doing it because it has something to do with the story in general? I thought about that, too. And if he's trying to Trojan horse something in for later, he picked a really good spot because this, like they are at this like ramshackle Central American mission. Mm-hmm. And the people there are very churchy church administrators, basically. Right. And so it would make sense that all their conversations or like motivations are somehow faith centric. But you also get the sense that like these people are fucking crazy. They have this really, really specific interpretation of it that may or may not be healthy. (laughs) Yeah. One of the ladies is very clearly clinically insane. Right. But is also like the number two at this place. So is he. Is he trying to say that the crazy people in this book and maybe in the world are religious and that our protagonist and you know hero in heavy air quotes is the sensible one and doesn't go to church very often it he could be saying that or he could also be saying that maybe there's a reason ray doesn't associate himself with that much church because the people that take it so seriously are living this way sure it's hard to interpret it excuse me, one way or another. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of the author's point. Like, and I, and I like everything in this book, I assume something will add up later because we keep coming back to these people. Yeah. There's no reason that he had to be like, all right, kid, meet me at this mission when you get this information. Right. To go back there. Cause he was also going to like return his return. The good doctor's effects, like his flashlight in his wallet and shit. Yep. Yep. But at the same time, like, why are you spending so much time here? Yeah. It, 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 for one, he's using it for his own ends, like a free meal, a place to be that isn't this hotel that he is definitely a milk and bananas. At. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like this <laughs> swap place is- milk and bananas for jello and peanut butter cookies. Yeah. Not good. No. <laughs> anyway, that gets us into chapter eight. Yeah. Chapter eight starts with him being like, all right, I woke up, took a big, long nap after this weird lunch of uh, jello and cookies. And this fucking kid, Webster Spooner, is still not here. What the fuck's up? Goes back into town. Immediately sees the kid, like, who had just come out of a movie theater to watch a movie of, like, basically, like, Muhammad Ali highlights. Yeah, it's like his debut fight, I think. Yeah, yeah. and they watched it on a movie theater, and the kid's like, yeah, I'm Muhammad so- Ali. And the, and the guy's like, no, you're not. One. Two. <laughs> where the fuck were you, dude? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I just forgot. And also, you're just a random white tourist. I don't really think about you that much. And and uh, Ray's like, fair. Yeah, exactly. And he also kind of forgives him because 
Webster, again, this is an instance of like something not going completely according to plan for Ray, but then someone gives him actual information on where Dupree might be or sightings of him, like what happened with the customs officer. Um, and then he's just kind of like, oh, I can forgive you because yeah. Webster brought back a map and on this map was circled to, like the Dupree farm. Yeah. So he's like, all right, sick. I know where I'm going now. Um, so basically, Ray feels bad that he can't give Webster this the money that he promised him for bringing this map back, um, but realizes that he's got a roll of quarters in his car. So he gives him the roll of quarters in place of the $5 he had promised and the silver coin. And he goes into this funny, like description of how he and George Washington, the man on the quarter are very similar and yet unalike, but they're unalike in only ways that are like favorable to Ray. Yeah. He's like, I think we would have been very similar men. However, Washington wasn't very well read, and I am. <laughs> it's just like, dude, you suck. Yeah, he's like, Washington was the the founding father, first president of the country, a military genius, but he only got there reading two military books, and I've read a ton of military books, so you know who's really the winner in this. Anyway, I'm going to leave. Yes. So he does. He takes the Buick. Uh, he leaves, and now he's going through this rainforest. Um, and stops off uh, by this Mayan ruin that was there. And it's a particularly unimpressive ruin to Ray. Just a couple mounds where pyramids used to stand. Um, but there's two men working it, throwing, you know, homemade mosquito bombs and smoking cigarettes. And so they take him on a tour of this Mayan ruin. Another classic example of how Ray is totally cool with just stopping off on this mission he's on to just observe some artifact of history. Yeah, he's such a like quote unquote student of history that he's just like drawn to these sites. He's like, yeah, the ruins weren't that cool, but they're still like, when's the next time I'm going to see Mayan ruins? Yeah. Might as well like see like, and he like and he, and, and he kind of like stops these like two like gauchos who are doing like essentially like bush work around yeah. the ruins to kind of keep it intact and they're like cool with him and they're like, yeah, come on over. You want to see the ruins in like broken Spanish slash yeah. native Belizean, whatever right. specific native language they're speaking. And he, and like, oh, cool. I get to go up into the pyramids. These guys live there. Right. They're just occupying this old pyramid. Just doing work on it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he does this. He does this tour. And then he takes off and uh, in the direction of the Dupree farm. He makes it to this plantation that does not look like it's in good shape. Uh, there's like this garbage dump kind of on the outside of it. There's this really like ramshackle fence with this sign that says like stay out essentially um, kind of a broken down house. There's dead cows like in the front yard and he's like, well, this is the place that it that says it's supposed to be. And as he's looking at this plantation house, this dog comes out from under the house and he immediately recognized it as Guy Dupree's dog. At this point, it had been shaven down. So it looks kind of like disproportionate the way it happens when you shave a dog, but recognizes it right away. At this point, Guy fucking Dupree comes out of the house onto the front porch looking different yeah <laughs> yeah dude different is charitable for how he describes it he's got like shitty greasy hair a long beard wearing like hobo clothes and he's got ray's gun mm -hmm. so right away we know this guy and he's like he's like and ray's gonna be like all right time to like man up this is it mm -hmm. and this is chapter eight in this book we have eight more chapters to go and he's already confronted dupree yeah, right dupree comes out and he's and Ray's like, bet you weren't expecting to me see me here. And guys like, oh, is that way way like giving a guy like, calling him all these like shitty names? And he's like, yes, it's me. Where's my fucking car? Yeah. So first, important to note, guy is not only looking weird, but he's also like beaten the fuck up. He's got a black eye. And so the first thing he says when Ray confronts him is he's like, is that Popo? And Ray's like, 
guy can't even fucking recognize me. Like, and then he calls out and then guy starts giving him all yeah, the yeah, shit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and they have this kind of like back and forth where Ray came in there with a plan. He's like, I'm here to get my fucking car. Where is it? And guy is like, don't worry about it, man. I sold your car. You're going to get your money. Just don't fucking come in that gate or I'm going to blow your fucking head off. Ray's like, okay, at this point, what do I do? Like, all right, guy, uh, is Norma there? To which guy replies, nah, she's sick. She left. What are you, what do you, like, what do you do if you're Ray here? Like, as he mentions in this book, like, he lost all ammunition. Like, the the moral kind of side that he went in on, guy's completely uninterested in. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just like, no, car's gone. I'll get you your money when I get a crop up. To which Ray's like, all right, um, Norma's not here. Car's not here. You say I'm going to get my money. Uh, you don't know how to farm. That's a that's actually a really good point. It's like Ray. Well, Ray's so in shock of the fact that guy just blew up his whole world. Right. Mission A, the car not there sold. Yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Th- that's its own pack of problems that we're going to unpack right mission two maybe norma where is she is she in there can i talk to her what's going on also not there allegedly right and this guy's got a gun and it just doesn't care and so he kind of blows through all that and he's like when you get a crop what the fuck do you know about running a farm this place is dog shit dude yeah it's it's half garbage the cows are all dead there's no like field hands no here and basically and guys like yeah i know there's no field hands here they all left and he's like you're gonna get a crop one man right what the fuck are you talking about dude yeah and it's it's kind of here too that guys like he throws some racism in here just sprinkles it on top of this already deplorable character and it's just like yeah i don't have to know anything about farming as long as i essentially like get the you know quote right people to come do it for me. Yeah. He uses another racist slur. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of like, Oh, this guy's the worst. He has nothing that we came here for. Uh huh. So it's just like, what, what do you do in? It's actually a really good writing point. So this is the halfway point in the book. Mm -hmm. The plan is at this point, completely blown out of the water. Yep. And that's actually great. So now we don't know what's going to happen next at all. Ray won't go forward to like confront him because one, he's got a gun and he also refuses to like get shot by the shitty shotgun that he took. Yeah. Like the 410. He's just not going to do it. He's like, I'm not going to confront. I don't have my gun. He's got a gun and I'm not going to get killed by that gun. Right. Also, there's nothing here for me. And also the character that we just got introduced to Guy Dupree, we were uh, we were guiding 100 percent off of like Ray's interpretation of Guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Didn't look good. Uh, but again, we don't know how reliable of a narrator Ray is. Like, we'll see. Like, why did his wife Norma run off with this guy in the first place? Maybe there's something. Else. Oh no, this guy sucks. Yeah, this guy is the worst. He is a racist, insane person who is currently running a like landfill, masquerading as some kind of farm that may have been a farm at one point, yeah. but not anymore. No, yeah, exactly. So Ray is kind of left with this choice. Like, okay, what do I do? Also, kind of funny. It's thrown in there guy's like hey is that my buick did you bring it down here and he's like How, how'd it do <laughs> and we're like it did fine he's like it got here all right that's it and, and guys just kind of like all right don't want to talk cars seems kind of weird from for a guy like you always want to talk cars where he's like i'm, I'm done i'm done with i you. hate you man <laughs> i'm not talking cars with you so he's like okay i'm gonna go here's the deal if norma really isn't here as a light goes on in the upstairs of the house he's just like hmm curious yeah uh, okay but he's like okay norma isn't here i'm going to leave the back pills that i brought down for her in the road here so you can come out and get them for her if she's in the house but we're not done here like basically he's just like i don't know what's going on but i need to figure out like who got who is who's got my car where norma is at this point i don't think we really need to deal with guy anymore no if norma isn't there and his car isn't there Screw that guy. But Ray leaves, leaves the pills out on the road by the gate. Um, and 
on his way out, it's kind of a weird aside. He rummages through some of the dump that's there. And the only thing of value he finds is a gallon sized pick, pickle jar, which he takes with him. It's kind of a weird thing that I'm, I refuse to believe that Portis put it in here without me needing to know it. Yep. And I have a couple more of those that we're going to talk about after, but let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> so he gets this pickle jar, goes back to his car. As he's driving back through this kind of rainforest that he came through, stops by the Mayan ruin again. And while he's there or while he's passing it, he sees this three wheel motorcycle rig that says Popo on the side and realizes like, oh, that was the name that Ray thought I was. So I'm going to see what this guy's all about. Stops the Mayan ruin, kind of like shoots shit with the guys that are there that were there before. Talks to Popo again and is like, hey, man guys leave in town. So this delivery that I see you're bringing him, he doesn't need it anymore. And he's just like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, definitely. Don't worry about it. By the way, did you see a woman in the house ever? Pope was like, no, he would never let me in through the gate. So never really saw anybody, but whatever. Ray then convinces him to give him the delivery that guy was supposed to get. That includes like drugs, um, He's like, you can keep the food and beer that's in there. Have that. Don't worry about it. But you don't need to deliver to Guy. Pope was like, great. And so the two of them, Ray, with the majority of the important deliverables and Popo left with the food and beer, turn around and go back to Belize. Chapter end. Yeah. Um, this is actually really smart on Ray's part. He's done a lot of dumb shit. Mm-hmm. First of all. You can go down the list of just all the dumb shit he's done, but he's he's not an unresourceful dude. No, not at all. He totally on the fly got his whole world blown up and then going down to Mexico got his or, and then British Honduras got his world blow up again when he finally confronts this fucking guy and nothing that he came down there for either tangible or hypothetical is there. Yeah. Cars there normally allegedly not there. Yeah. So now he's like on the fly, like I'm going to smoke this guy out. Yeah. Like I'm just going to basically like take all of this shit lay siege to this dude if he wants to just hold up in there he doesn't have a delivery guy anymore popo's not going to come back mm-hmm. if he assumes that he's gone right right which is like and and he like and the fact that he stopped at that mayan ruin in the first place mm-hmm. he introduced it to those guys so when he was shooting shit with all three of those dudes that bought him a little bit of credibility mm-hmm. because those guys are like hey gringo we just met you yep yep they're like hey yeah this guy's cool he knows what he's talking about no, he fucking doesn't. Yeah. He's totally scamming Guy Dupree right now, but totally like off, on the off the seat of his pants. Sure. He's like, this is the first thing I thought of. I'm just I just got to make this guy's life as hard as possible to try and get everything back. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, kind of just a wild chapter coming out of a few chapters that were uh, hilarious in their own right, but like didn't feel like they moved us along no. considerably far. And then all of a sudden it's like snap you're where you thought you were going to be at the end of the book. Yep. So kind of wild. Um, final thoughts. I think, so you mentioned earlier that, so every time that guy, so this has happened twice now, guys parked his car on the street, gets a pamphlet from this guy leak. Yep. I want to buy your car. Mm-hmm. Every time he's like, we're not buying this fucking car. I need this car. Yep. I think leak has his car interesting and because he mentioned because ruth mentioned like yeah i know that guy dupree guy he talked to me about renting a car right right and he would only need to rent a car if he didn't have one okay i'm pretty sure this guy dupree in like his like strap for cash yeah because he's like basically living off like the good name of his farm and they all obviously turned on him and left and now he's like basically like has the cash that he has getting supplies and shit hauled up there i'm pretty sure he sold his car to leak I and think, the fact that he's so callously throwing it away is kind of like, yeah, I like that. I didn't think about that, but I like that. I feel like you're right. I haven't read ahead, so I don't know. It just it just makes sense the way that like it's it was just thrown away enough, but it wasn't a one off. Mm-hmm. He had two pamphlets in his like windshield wipers that right. were like, hey, I'm leak. I want to buy your car. And I'm sure someone with that level of persistence to a guy like Guy Dupree, who's just so fucked up in the head at this point it's like money sure i don't give a shit about this car i stole it from a dude anyway yeah i mean guy has no guy has no plans down there besides raising a crop using a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. and then secondly he notes he's writing a book because 
writing those death threats to presidents wasn't enough. Yeah. He needs to like write it all down long form. Yeah. Some kind of dumb like manifesto. Unabomber manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. The um the description of guy to me was just like it, it was just a perfect way of making Ray look great. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, uh, one of the things we kind of riffed on at the end was just like, Norma, come on. Like, what are you doing? And at this point, it's like, actually, what were yeah, you no, doing? What? Uh, Norma, y- y- you went down to British Honduras with this greasy slime ball racist who wants to kill us presidents what are you doing yeah so the 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 overarching theme of normal what are you doing it stands mm-hmm. the the focus of it is no longer on right now it's on guys like what are you doing norma yeah come on exactly and if she is sick where is she yeah because you brought up an interesting kind of um theory about leak having his car i'm really interested to know if norma in fact, is not in that house. Where is she? Yeah. Because we're going to reunite with her in this book. I'm, yeah. I'm sure of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Because again, this is half, we got another half of this book to get through. Mm-hmm. And we've already confronted what is supposed to be the main villain. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have shit for us. Right. Rhetorically or physically for the characters. Exactly. Yeah, it's... He's already made it to British Honduras and the trail's gone cold mm-hmm. on everything. And now he's like, I'm going to try and fuck with Guy Dupree as much as possible. But we're back to square one. Back to back to the original plan of get my car. And this is where this is where I think it it turns into something into something more than just his car. Yeah. So earlier we'd said something along the lines of Ray maybe starting to think about norma and not just his car on this journey we've already gotten hints with like the back pills which he didn't need to take if he was really spiteful about it didn't need to do that no there's another little hint in this in this section where he's fantasizing about being a forester and about how that would be a noble profession about how you put on he he fantasizes about putting on a clean khaki uniform every day and Notably, getting a kiss on the cheek from Norma mm-hmm. every day before he leaves the house. Yes, yes, yes. She still holds some real estate in his brain. Big time. And this is where I think... Beachfront villa, no rent. Absolutely. And this is where I think it's it's going to be interesting to see if he gets his car back first, is he going to go home and not give a fuck about following up with Norma? Or is he going to be like, no, 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 I'm not done here. I know that my original plan was just to come down for the car and everything was just going to be fine from there. But now Norma sounds like she's sick. She definitely doesn't belong in that plantation dump. Is it my duty essentially to go find out what's going on with her and see if I can bring her back with me? Yeah. I think it might happen. Remains to be seen. We'll see. We'll definitely see. All right. Any more from you on this section of the book? Uh, no, we can go into uh, sections now, categories. All right, what do you got? Uh, was Ray right? Yes. Was Ray right? For most of this section of the book, Ray actually was right. He kind of nailed it, this section. Things didn't go well for him. No. But, I, but he kind of nailed it. Yeah, I mean, the was Ray was Ray right? Last time we did this segment, we talked about it kind of in a meta sense and more specific sense. Both seem like they're right this time. Was Ray right that Norma had no business running off with this guy to pre guy? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Meta. Absolutely. Yes. Ray is right. But also he just keeps getting more clues to get closer and closer to pre and ends up getting there. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a way that you can say Ray was wrong unless you just kind of cherry pick little things that we've done over this recording where we're like you're not george washington yeah and get over eating and sleeping and shitting in people's houses it's gonna happen yeah ray actually was almost too right for his own good because he he never even thought about the opportunity that this guy dupree character 
would be so slimy that he would blow up your plan before you even got there. Right. Right. He got there so fast and so efficiently that when he went down there, he had no backup plan. Right. He was fantasizing about this. Like, I'm going to come in and be like, didn't expect me, Guy Dupree. Huh? I'm here for my car and maybe my woman. We'll see how she's feeling. (laughs) And then he gets there and he's like, nope, neither are here. And I'm not going to go into it any further. And he was just like, and he's like, I also have a gun. So go away. And Ray's like, well, I don't have my gun. Yeah. So and was, also you're right. So then so was fuck. Ray kind of really wrong then also? Yeah. Because, yeah, because he was seeing this departure from Little Rock between Guy and Norma as being almost romantic. Like mm-hmm. they're running away together and they're going to like start a new life together. Now he gets down there and that's completely not the case as far as we can tell. Yeah. So he was also very wrong. I think that's kind of he might have been right on the initial point. It might have been romantic when they started, but now reality hit them and it's not fun anymore. Right. If it was ever fun at all, it's not fun anymore. A little bit of uh, a little bit of justice for Ray. A little bit. He had to. He had to be at least a little bit happy. To but see he also lost state. his gun and then showed up to the dude who obviously has at least one gun, the one that he stole from him, and yeah. was like. And then when he refused to give him anything, was like, "You're right. You have a gun." Yeah. Yeah. Um. We already kind of did Norma. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit of. Well. Yeah. Duh. Because Norma. What are you doing? Norma. What are you doing? Guy Dupree. I just can't get over the fact that he is the worst possible person. It's so dumb. Now, looking at everything now and what guy has become just this racist shell plantation. Yeah. Like meander. He's not running anything. He doesn't own it. His dad owns it. He's just occupying this space. It. I don't believe that this is the case. Norma, what do you do? But I don't believe this is the case, but I just think like, was Norma kidnapped? That's how dumb this is. Yeah. Norma, what are you doing? Like, were, were you kidnapped and forced down here? Because this is so bad for because you. Because if not, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just about all I got. Uh, was Ray oh, right? Oh, here we go. Um, they kind of nailed him to a wall about church. Call yourself a Christian. You don't go to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like those ladies at the uh, the tabernacle kind of had you to. Kind of had your number on that one a little bit, a, a little bit. I, I don't know. Like Ray is a Christian the way so many people are. Yeah. <laughs> so and again, if you're going to base everything off of like how good of a Christian are you? Did you pack up everything and start a mission in Belize? Then, you know, I guess a lot of people aren't Christians. Exactly. So, yeah, Mima cut our guy a little bit of slack because he's not moving across countries to help like impoverished children. Do you take in street urchins and have them memorize <laughs> theology theory. Yeah. N- if not, are you really a Christian? Also, Jesus didn't drink. <laughs> nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Oh my gosh. So incredible. All right. Next week, we are doing chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12 to get us to the three quarter mark of this book. Uh, very excited for that. Um, until then, everybody, we are recording in a very odd time. Everybody stay safe, please. Um, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.